just doesn't sound the same as what it normally is on. So Jim's going to turn me up a little bit. If you look on the screen behind me, it's uh, this morning's lesson is going to go in a new direction. We've done a series of sermons uh, over the last couple months looking at First and Second Peter and, and why those letters were written, why they're important. But now I want us to look at something else here this morning. Do you think we live in a time when we might need a little extra encouragement? Do you think there's some frustration in society? Do you think there's some problems in life? Is anybody tired of the pandemic? <laughs> right? We're tired of the pandemic. Life is difficult. Life is busy. Our careers, our hobbies, our children. I mean, we run ourselves ragged. And I want us to really stop and consider for a little bit about encouragement. I want us to really look at the art of encouragement. I tell you what, here at Lincoln Park, I think we do a pretty darn good job when it comes to encouragement. We have lots of us within this auditorium who like to, uh, to, like to encourage. Uh, I've, I've said before, I said, Randy's kind of almost like my Barnabas. You know why I say that? Every Sunday and every Wednesday, even now that I'm down in Tennessee and I do my lesson and I send it up here for you guys, I still get a text from him on most Wednesdays encouraging me about the lesson. And he'll always make sure he comes up to me afterwards and gives me some form of encouragement about the lesson. And every time I see him, he's trying to offer encouragement. And I love that because really, isn't that really what the Bible calls us to do? How can we become that unified body of believers, that family of believers, if we're not always looking for ways to grow in the area of encouragement? And although we do a good job here at Lincoln Park, we could always be better. Right? And there's some of us that probably do some more encouraging than, well, probably others. And so that's what I want us to concentrate on here this morning. I want us to think of encouragements. And I'm sorry that Jim used a slide that replicates and kind of, you know, really looks like me this morning. I didn't ask him to do that. But I wanted it to be an encouragement for you all to know that you too can look like that if you just put a little time in the gym. And so, <laughs> so while we look at this, life, does life have a way of uh, kind of just bringing us down, right? Life has a way of wearing us down. And when we become discouraged, what well, usually is one of the, some of the first things that happen? When we become discouraged, what's one of the first things that usually happen? What do you think, Russ? Faith. Faith starts to uh, kind of wander a little bit. But don't we also start to start complaining a little bit? Anybody here ever complain? Anybody here have some difficult days and you start to complain? Well, that is usually something that starts to happen. We start to feel sorry for ourselves. Has anybody during the pandemic kind of found yourself complaining and feeling sorry for yourselves? Has anybody who watches the regular news, whether it's local or national news, do you start to kind of complain and feel sorry for yourself? And start to feel sorry for this nation? And so, brethren, we need to know that Complaining and feeling sorry for ourselves is something that's really inherent in humanity. But it doesn't have to be. Because there's this little stream of thoughts that go through your head all the time. And psychologists and them, they'll call it self-talk. And you get to determine that little stream of thoughts. As I'm speaking right now, there's some of you that have a stream of thoughts that are going through your mind. Some of it may be focused on encouragement. Some of it might be focused on something else completely that has nothing to do with this worship service. But there's always thoughts going through our mind. You get to determine if they're positive or negative. 
You get to determine what you do with that little stream of thoughts that's constantly going through your mind. And so in today's world, it appears that everyone is becoming more and more connected. Well, you think about it, most people have smartphones. Most kids nowadays have smartphones. And it would appear that through social media and all the various platforms that we're more connected than, in it, than at any other time in human history. What's the problem with that? We're becoming more and more disconnected personally, in the flesh, personal relationships, one-on-one -on -one fellowship time. Why? Because I got 700 Facebook friends. Even though I haven't seen probably 678 of them in 25 years, I got 700 Facebook friends. Even though I have no idea what's going on in their lives, I have 700 some Facebook friends. I really don't, but I'm sure there are people out there that do. What's my point? I don't care how many Facebook friends you have. If you're not interacting on a one-on-one, -on -one, face-to-face, in the person, in the flesh, relationships and interaction with people. While we are more connected at this point in time from a technological standpoint at any other time in our history of the world, we are dealing with higher levels of depression and higher levels of suicide than at any other time. Well, how could that be? We got all these social media things that people love my posts. And they think my posts are so funny and they think they're so great. And I have all these social media friends and I have this great social media following. And yet I'm suffering with depression and suicidal thoughts. Well, how could that be? Brethren, has God designed us to be separate and apart from one another? Or did God intend for us to, become, to, to, to spend time together? Did God desire for children to leave their mothers and fathers and for sons to find a wife and to cleave to their wife and become one flesh, both in mind, body, and spirit? When God created mankind on the sixth day, and then we know in Genesis chapter 2, when God created man, it said it is not good for man to be alone. When you want to punish somebody in the judicial system, in the system, where do they put the criminals when they really want to punish them? In solitary confinement. Why? Because we know as human beings we're designed, God designed us in order to be in fellowship with one another. So the, the worst thing you could do to a criminal is to separate him from the masses and to make him be in, a, in, in an area that he's by himself. Why? Because what usually sets, starts to set in? Regret and depression and all these other things that go along with it. So as I said earlier today, I don't care how many uh, Facebook friends that somebody has. It will never make up for the lack of personal, in-the-flesh relationships with individuals. And brethren, that's something that we need to really fully consider. Because we're made with the desire to connect with people on a personal level. Don't people feel good about themselves when they feel like they belong? I mean, doesn't it feel good after, and I know sometimes we don't always want to, you know, break up our routine, break up our schedule and, and, and schedule some fellowship time or go visit somebody. But how many times, even though you really didn't want to do it, but after you did it, you felt so much better. Like, man, I'm glad I went out of my way and I went and met with so-and-so because I actually, I actually enjoyed it. I felt good about it. And so we have to remember, brethren, that while we are connected more uh, from a technological standpoint, we're less connected personally on a one-on-one -on -one basis than at any other time in our history. Young kids are having trouble because they have a hard time knowing how to talk with one another nowadays. 
I can't tell you every time you go to a restaurant, every time you're out in public, you'll see a family of five sitting around the table and they're all on their phones doing this. They're not even talking. They're not even enjoying the people that are literally right there in their presence. I had a friend who used to come by once in a while into some of the Christian fellowships that were at my house, and he would always be playing words with friends. Anybody play words with friends? And he would be playing words with friends while we're all sitting there talking. I said, why don't you use your words with your friends? <laughs> I mean, we're literally sitting three feet from one another, and you're playing a game on your phone. Put the phone away and talk. And so that's something that we're seeing that is becoming more and more of a problem in society. And so there's too many ex people that are experiencing uh, letdown and discouragement, and they don't feel like they can have somebody they can turn to. You can't get that same effect on social media as you can in the flesh. There's nothing that can replace a, a, a hug from somebody who loves you and cares about you. There's nothing that can replace that listening ear when you've got something going on in your life and you need that person. You need that one person that you can talk to. Not on a, not on a private message that I send you on Facebook, but no, on a one-on-one on on -one basis. And so, brethren, Proverbs 17 and 22 tells us, A joyful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. And why is that such a crucial, crucial uh, passage of Scripture? Because when we become discouraged, there will be times when our, our, our spirit starts to dry up. Our spirit starts to dry up, and there will be times when our strength is gone. We're not, we don't feel as uh, physically or as emotionally or spiritually as strong as we once did. And what, do we, what usually happens when that happens? We start to withdraw ourselves from one another. We start to withdraw from worship. We start to withdraw from fellowships and Bible studies. We start to seclude ourselves in our homes. We start to uh, cancel plans that we once uh, enjoyed. Why? Because depression is setting in. And because I start to feel sorry for myself. And I start to allow all this constant stream of thoughts to, to be fueled by negativity instead of positivity. And so, brethren, when we look at this here this morning, once in a while I'll sit down and I'll meet with various individuals. Uh, and if you've been an elder or a minister for any length of time, you do counseling from time to time, individually as well as uh, marriage and couple counseling. And sometimes after I'm done, I'll sit there for a few minutes. Sometimes I'll pray. Sometimes I'll just take a few breaths. And I'm usually left astonished at the amount of hurt that people are dealing with in their lives. But they're not reaching out generally to others whom they have a good personal connection with for advice. Because too often the advice they get is worldly advice and not godly advice. And so, brethren, we think about this. All around us in our communities are various peoples. Various people who are dealing with marriage uh, uh, troubles. Marriages are falling apart. Finances are a mess. They're worried about their jobs. They're worried about their kids. They're worried about uh, the, the sin in their lives. They have regrets, huge regrets from things they've done in the past. Their health isn't what it used to be. They, their life, and our, the lives that they live and our lives that we live have a way of wearing us down. And when we become discouraged, when we become uh, disappointed and depressed, what do we usually do? We seclude ourselves. That's exactly what Satan wants you to do. Satan wants you to think that, that uh, nobody cares. 
He wants you to think that you're not as important. He wants you to think that uh, you're kind of like the oddball out now. And he wants you to start to pull away from the church. He wants you to start to pull away from family members. Start to pull away from various friends. Brethren, when we start complaining and feeling sorry for ourselves, Satan begins to win. Because our faith begins to suffer. And when our faith begins to suffer, well, then we start to find excuses about why we can't make it to worship. Why we can't make it to Bible study. Why we can't make it to church fellowship opportunities. And why we stop actually fellowshipping with our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Satan begins to win if he can get you to seclude yourself off from the brethren. It's sad when that happens, brethren, because that's when we need each other the most. God calls us to be a unified body of believers. And that seclusion it should be the last thing that ever happens. We should never be secluding ourselves from one another. Instead of secluding ourselves, we need, God, we need to come to God. We need to rely on his strength. And we need to rely on the strength of the saints that are sitting in this pew here this morning. And so when you're struggling here at Lincoln Park, don't seclude yourself off. Don't start to... Uh, 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 um, miss and, and forsake worship service and Bible study and fellowship opportunities. We probably had a dozen people, maybe 12, 15 people that showed up at, uh, at the Cackleberry Farms yesterday. We had a great time, the ones who showed up. And if you weren't there, you could have had a great time too if you were there. Brethren, and so I encourage you to take advantage of as many of those type of opportunities as you can. I know sometimes life gets in the way and you can't attend every event, but you should try your best to attend as many of the fellowship opportunities as you can. And so when we look at this, remember what Jesus said. Why is it so very important that we, and, uh, that we, that we show the love to one another, that we encourage one another, that we lift up one another? Because Jesus said in John chapter 13 and verse 35, he says, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. And so brethren, we're to be a bright light in the world. A world of darkness and sin and uh, of depression and, and, and rising suicidal rates. People need to see that there's something different about us here at Lincoln Park. There's something different about the way we carry ourselves. The joy that we have, even in difficult moments. Knowing that even though when we lose a loved one, that we could take joy and comfort knowing that they're in paradise. That they went on to receive the reward. Selfishly, yes, we want to hold on to them. And we want them for as long as we can. But they're now in a place that we all desire to get to. And so we can find a level of comfort in that, even though we're still sad. And so, brethren, we think of the word of God. We think of how we need to love one another in times of difficulty and in times of joy. We need to cry on each other's shoulders and lift each other up. We need to be willing to laugh with each other and to do all that, life ha all that happens in life together as a unified body, constantly encouraging one another because that will show the world that we're Jesus' disciples. It makes me think of what the Apostle Paul had to say. The way that we can show our love for Christ is by loving others without reservation. In 1 Thessalonians, in chapter 5, and in verse 11, it tells us that we are to encourage one another. Encourage one another and build each other up just as they were already doing. But he, he gives this as a way of a reminder. Some of us do a great job of building each other up and encouraging one another. I mentioned what Randy does for me every Wednesday and Sunday. 
Every time I preach a lesson, every time I do a Bible study, he always has a word of encouragement. It makes me think of Cal Seacom, who, who's gone out to his reward when I was at Allen Park, a wonderful brother in Christ. That man encouraged me and encouraged me and encouraged me constantly. And what a joy he was to my life. Because there are days where there were days where I didn't feel like I, I, I did my best. I didn't feel like I presented the, the message to the best of my ability. That maybe I could have done more at times. And yet he finds ways to lift you up and to encourage you when he was on this earth. And why do we do that? So others can know that we are the disciples of Christ. And so, brethren, it makes me think of what Jesus had to say in Matthew 22 and 37 through 39. He says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment, but the second commandment is like it, that we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. I love what Jesus is telling us here because a lot of people, they really don't understand what Christianity is all about. I can't tell you as a minister how many times I've spoken with individuals who think that all Christianity is about is I show up for an hour on Wednesday and maybe a couple hours on Sundays. I've done my Christian uh, obligation and I go about my week. Brethren, if that's all that Christianity is about, what a joke. If that's all you think Christianity is about, it's a joke. Because we have to understand that we live out our faiths Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, all the way through the week, you live out your faith. And that you are to encourage and lift up, not just on Wednesday and Sunday. That's why you guys have heard me get on a soapbox and so many times in the past about the superficial relationships that most people have in the church. You get there five minutes before we start, sometimes less than that, and you say, hey, Diane, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. I'm having a good week. And, oh, how you doing? Oh, it's been a good week. Oh, let's get, sit down. Russ is starting the, the early song so we can uh, start to focus. Right? And what happens? I, she never told me that maybe she's been struggling with some medical diagnoses. She didn't inform me that she's struggling with some things in her life right now and that, that she could probably use some extra encouragement, maybe even use some assistance of some kind. But all we had was that little superficial exchange. And then after service, we'll have another superficial exchange. And then we'll come back on Wednesday and we'll do it again. And then maybe we'll come back on Sunday night and we'll do it again. But what do we really know about each other? We need to be encouraging each other, as Acts 2, 40 through about 46 says, that they were meeting daily, meeting each other's homes, uh, gathering together, breaking bread, fellowshipping, encouraging, uh, praying, doing all that they could to lift one another up. And brethren, that's what God had designed the church to be, a constant uh, building up and unifying of the body of Christ. Christianity is about relationships. Christianity isn't about law-keeping. Yes, do we have to be obedient to Christ? Yes. But it's no different than in my Bible study this morning. Jesus asked the Pharisees, is it lawful to do good or to do evil on the Sabbath day? And he was trying to get them to understand that to do good doesn't break the law of the Sabbath. To do good doesn't break any Christian laws. We're to do good constantly. And we are to build relationships. First and foremost, our relationship with God. And then that relationship should trickle down into the rest of our relationships. It should trickle down into our workplace. It should trickle down into our family units and our friends. Brethren, Christianity is not just about keeping rules. Christianity is not just about acquiring knowledge, how many memory verses I can add to my mind. Not that that's not important, but that's not what the heart of Christianity is about. 
I know of many brothers in Christ who have advanced degrees in theology to only go apostates. They're false teachers. I don't care if you have a PhD or not. You either speak the truth or you don't. And so what is the point? Christianity is about loving others sacrificially. It's about forging long-lasting relationships that are centered on God's law and his great many wonderful promises. That is what it's on. God desires uh, sacrifice, or God desires uh, love, not sacrifice. And so he wants us to love with that agape type of love. But in order to have an agape type of love, you have to be willing to go out of your way. You have to be willing to encourage others. Think about what it says in Hebrews chapter 10. I did a call out, not this week, but the following week. I did a call out to encourage others to make sure that we're not forsaking the assembly as some are already doing. And the Apostle Paul, that it's usually attributed to, that wrote Hebrews, says this in verse 24 and 25. Let us consider how to stimulate one another. Listen to those words right there. What does it mean to let us consider how to stimulate one another? What do you think that means? You've got to think of ways. You've got to think of ways to encourage one another, to stimulate one another, to lift each other up and to encourage one another, to love and good deeds. And verse 25 says, not forsaking our own assembly together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is coming back. Eternity for many of our friends and family members are in danger. And that's why it's so very important that we live our lives, how God has called us to live, so we can hopefully influence the lives of others and be an encouragement to all we come in contact with. We live in depressing times. We live, and we've been dealing with this pandemic for two years. People are tired of it. They're tired of all the negativity on the news. And so they need more of us to be a bright light in a dark society, in a dark and sin-filled society. They need to see more people doing more things so we don't lose faith in humanity, but our, our, our faith in humanity is building up. I had a conversation with somebody here recently. I said, you need to shut off the news because you can't handle it because you think that the whole world's going to hell in a handbasket. But you don't see all the good things that are happening. You didn't hear on the news all the, all the people who stepped up for Russ and Shelley and his family, all the good things that people did, the love that was uh, spread to him, the, 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 the food that was probably brought, the letters, the cards, and everything else. You didn't hear about that on the news. Brethren, there could be literally hours worth of encouragement that we could receive if they would put that on the news. But that's not what sells. You know what sells in the mainstream media? Negativity. But we have to remember that there are way more good people in this world doing good things and helping people to further uh, the cause of humanity and Christians who are out there furthering the cause of the kingdom than what you'll ever see on any news broadcast. This just past week, I was over in, uh, I was down in Tennessee and the church at Walter Hill, they were making a ton of food and they were sending it over and they were having a big group of themselves going over to Waverly, Tennessee. Well, if you haven't watched the news, Waverly, Tennessee, they had, their town was practically destroyed by a, a ridiculous flood. <laughs> 17 inches of water fell on them in like less than 24 hours. And people, tons of people lost everything. And people from the hour away in the Walter Hill area are going there, helping demolishing homes, demolishing, demolishing these buildings, bringing food, bringing supplies, and doing everything. You didn't hear about that on the news. 
All you heard about the, was the carjacking and all the, the dysfunction in Washington. Brethren, there are good things happening in Lincoln Park and all other uh, communities around the world. And so don't let yourself lose faith in humanity. Concentrate and focus on all the good that is happening in this world. Is there bad and evil? Yes, there will always be bad and evil. But it doesn't mean there's no good happening. So as we look at this, and I get back off my soapbox, brethren, we need to remember that encouragement is so very important. And we need to search out ways. We need to be purposeful in our encouraging of one another. But that encourage must carry over. Not, it must not just be a Sunday and a Wednesday. That encouragement must carry over into every day of the week. I was talking to Ed. I called him this week. I was sitting in a, in a traffic jam in Tennessee. And if, you're, if you know anything about Tennessee, it's a regular occurrence. And so I said, I'm going to call my buddy Ed and see how he's doing. So I called Ed, and I was talking with him for, for a minute. And we were just talking. He said, I said, how's your week going? What are you doing today? He says, well, I'm going to do this. And, and I don't have to tell you what it was. But, uh, but it, was, it was a way to encourage and to help somebody. And he uttered these words. He said, every day, me and Judy, we try to find one thing that we could do. Whether how big or how small it is, I tr we try to do at least one thing every day to encourage, to lift up, or to provide. Can you imagine the difference we would make in this world? Let's, let, let's not even look at the world. Can you imagine the difference we would make in this community and our communities in which we reside if you sought out every day to do one thing that makes a difference? It doesn't always have to be a huge thing. There's lots of little things that we can do, and we'll talk about some of those examples here this morning. But brethren, we need to understand that God has called us to live with an agape type of love. And so we need to understand that Christianity is to be way more than setting aside three hours a week. How can you say that you love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, if you only give God in the kingdom three hours? If you were to evaluate your week, we all sleep hopefully around six to eight hours a night, right? So that should give us 16 to 18 waking hours. Well, most of us work. And so let's just say that's another eight hours out the window. That leaves you with anywhere from eight to ten hours that you get to determine what you're going to use it for. And if you take that eight to ten hours times seven days and you only give God three, uh, three hours, that's less than a couple percent of your available time that you actually gave towards the kingdom. How can you say you love God with all your heart, mind, and soul if you give God one or two percent of your time that's available? Do you ever think of it that way? Every day, we should be looking to encourage, lift up, and build up into love, just as Christ did. Brethren, as we look at this lesson here this morning, the spirit of agape love is to carry over into our everyday relationships in this world. We are to strive to find ways. Did you know that the New Testament uses the phrase one another constantly? It said, you can find it. It says, we are to love one another. We're to serve one another. We're to encourage one another. We're to forgive one another. And the list could go on and on. But we are to do these things regularly just as Christ Jesus did for us. It says that while we were yet sinners, Christ what? He died for us. He came into this world knowing that we didn't deserve him, knowing that we didn't deserve his sacrifice, but he did it anyways. Why? Because he loves us. And we are to do the same thing. We are to love people who are unlovable sometimes. We are to do good to people who don't deserve it. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. Brothers and sisters, for the sick and the shut-in, we have things like uh, 
Our, our services are recorded. They're recorded. They're put on YouTube. They can watch it live. And that's for the sick and the shut-in. And they should take advantage of those things. But remember, online services were never intended to take the place of in-person worship. They were never intended to take, to take the place of in-person worship, Bible study, or fellowship opportunities. If you're sick and you're shut in for a reason, that's what it's for. Take advantage of it so you can still feel a sense of community. But if you're staying home and if you're watching this on television here this morning because I like to drink my coffee and sit in my recliner and I just really don't want to deal with uh, getting out of the house today, then brethren, you are in violation of the scriptures. You are in violation of God's law. Because it tells us, as I read in Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 earlier, that we are to encourage one another each and every day as we see the draw, as the day was drawing near. Encourage each other to do what? To come together, not forsaking our assembly, as is the habit of some. As we've instituted things like uh, uh, Wednesday night Bible studies online, yeah. Worship services online, they were, they were done so to provide a service during a difficult time. Not to allow us to become lazy and to not fellowship so I don't have to deal with it. I don't have to interact with people. I could just stay in my little bubble. That's not what God intended. That's not what the scriptures teach. That's not why it was designed. And so I know I may be stepping on some toes here this morning, brethren, but this needs to be said. The only way that we can effectively encourage one another is to not by sitting at home, but to coming out and while we gather together for worship, sure, we sing songs of praise to God, we, we partake of the Lord's Supper, we remember that great sacrifice he made for us, and we worship God in spirit and truth, but it's so much bigger than that. We come together to encourage one another, to, to talk with one another. To spend quality time with one another. Does anybody get inundated with sin on a regular basis? Are you inundated with sin on a regular basis? Well, where can you go to recharge your spiritual battery? Oh, worship? Bible study? Christian fellowship opportunities? Tuesday uh, morning men's group that meets now at Jim's house. and they're, uh, I think they're meeting at Jim's right now. I talked to him on the phone. This past Tuesday, they called me on speakerphone and... And we got to talk for a little bit. But that's a time that the guys come together. If you're retired and, or if you work an afternoon shift and you have that ability, come together. Why? Build each other up. Laugh. Encourage each other. Brethren, these are the things that we must be doing regularly. When's the last time you invited somebody into your home? With the express purpose of getting to know them better. You don't have to study and, and, and have Bible studies and uh, devotions every time you get together. It's okay to meet to build relationships. It's okay to laugh and have fun as a Christian. When is the last time you have had somebody that's not in your inner circle into your home with the express purpose of building a relationship with a fellow brother and sister in Christ? I want you to think about that. Because I think if we're all honest with us, it's not very often. And so we continue on here this morning. For better or worse, brethren, we need each other. The book of Hebrews, in chapter 10, and verse 24, says, Let us, what does it say? Think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let us consider it. Let us think about it. Let us act purposefully in the, in the ways of encouragement. 
It takes thought in order to be purposeful in our love and good deeds, brethren. The Greek word translated encourage is an interesting word. It's a word that usually has a negative meaning, meaning to irritate or incite. But with most words, we know that there's multiple contexts that those words can be used in. And it can also be used in a positive light. So we can encourage one another by motivating one another to acts of love and good deeds. All people, I don't care who you are, what walk of life, what your career is, how many children you have, what's going on in your marriage, every single one of us have an opportunity every day to encourage somebody if you'll only look for it. Every single one of us has an opportunity to offer a gift of encouragement. Because I don't care what anybody says, the encouragement is absolutely a gift. And when I see, when I, I mean, I think about different um, uh, aspects of encouragement. We have the Samaritans Ladies Group that meets on Tuesdays. They send out cards. I love getting cards from the Samaritan ladies. I love getting cards from anybody. Who here, when you go to check your mailbox and you open it up, it's mostly like junk mail, maybe some magazines, uh, a bunch of just junk and some bills. Oh, but there's this one letter that's handwritten. What's the first thing you open? The first thing I open is that letter that's handwritten. That's always the first thing I open. Why? Because I know most of the time it's gonna be a source of encouragement. We could call one another on the phone. We could call one another. You could call somebody and just take a few moments to say, hey, listen, I don't have a lot of time to talk, Matt, but I just want to let you know, brother, that the Lord put you on my heart today. I want you to know that, hey, I hope you're having a good week. If I can do anything for you, please let me know. I'm going to be praying for you this week, and I hope you have a good week, brother. i got to get back to work, but I just want to let you know I was thinking about you. I guarantee you, if you did something like that, and St. Matt's having a bad day, just for a second you're going to put a smile on that man's face. Even if it's just for a second. Brethren, we need to take more opportunities to send out letters, to send out cards, to make phone calls, and to do all that we can to encourage each other. Sometimes the best way to encourage others is just by listening. By listening to somebody, not always even offering advice. Advice. If there's one thing I learned about marriage, many times my wife doesn't want me to solve all her problems. She just wants me to listen to her problems. Which is difficult for me because I like to solve problems. But I learned that over the years, that sometimes it's better to listen and not offer the advice. They just sometimes want to vent, and sometimes we're in the same boat as well. Brethren, that's an opportunity we have. We have brethren like the Bone family and others who have lost loved ones recently. Guess what's coming up around the corner? Holidays. You know when it's the most difficult time? Anniversaries of the death, birthdays, holidays. Wouldn't it be great if people go out of their way to encourage them by knowing that somebody's suffering because of the loss of a loved one that they just lost and invite them into your home for the holidays. Say, listen, I know you're hurting, but I also want you to know that you're not alone and that I'm here for you and that I want you to share in this meal with my family. And maybe they'll come, maybe they won't. But what is the point? The point is that it was offered and they're going to remember that it was offered. Brethren, there are so many ways that we can encourage one another if only we'll think about it, as the scriptures teach. I get to Hebrews 3 and 13, and it says, But encourage each and other, or to encourage each other every day and to help each other so none of you will become hardened because, of, uh, because sin has tricked you. Brethren, encouragement is to be a daily thing. I remember one Sunday uh, morning, and, and I'm going to have to shut this down because i got so much more, but... I'm already out of time, practically. But I remember one Sunday morning, 
you guys have heard me say that if I'm leading singing, we're at the bottom of the barrel. It's just the facts, right? Some of us have abilities that others don't. That wasn't one of the gifts I received from my, from my Heavenly Father. I was at Sunset when I first came to the Lord's Church, and I was over there, and, and we were joking around with some of our brothers and sisters of Christ friends after service about how bad I sing, and I mess up the words all the time. It's on the screen, and I mess up the words, still mess it up. And this one elderly lady overheard our, our conversation, and she says, Sweetie, I just want you to know you keep singing. Because I guarantee you, if you keep singing, you're going to get better. And I remembered that. It stuck with me. Literally a year went by. And I was sitting in the pew one Sunday morning like you guys are today. And, and, uh, and we were just got done singing a hymn. And I nudged Christy with my elbow. I said, I'm getting better. She looked me square in the eyes and says, it'll never going to happen. <laughs> Obviously, encouragement isn't one of her strong suits. <laughs> and so what is the point, brethren? The point tells me, and I'm just going to look at a couple more passages, and we'll shut this down a little bit early. In Proverbs 12 and 25, it tells me on the screen behind me that worry weighs a person down, but an encouraging word does what? Cheers up a person. An encouraging word cheers up a person. Listen to this that was written by King Solomon. In King Solomon, in Proverbs 10 and 18 through 21, he said, He who conceals hatred has lying lips, um, and he who spreads slander is a fool. When there are many words, transgression is unavoidable. But he who restrains his lips is wise. The tongue of the righteous is like a choice silver. The heart of the wicked is worth little. The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of understanding. Brothers and sisters, that came from the wisest man of his time. And that the tongue of the righteous is like a choice silver. A choice silver that's always looking for individuals that they can encourage, that they can lift up, because we're to love one another, serve one another, forgive one another. Brothers and sisters, encouragement is something that is a great and a powerful gift. We need to wake up every morning, and we need to be determined to do one thing. It could be a phone call. It could be a letter. It could be a card. It could be picking somebody up for a doctor's appointment. It could be whatever it is. Think of ways. That's what the scripture says. We need to think of ways that we can encourage one another to be purposeful in our encouragement. Brethren, instead of focusing on all the negativity of the 24-hour news cycle, we need to focus in on God, his word, and his great many wonderful promises. If you do that and you add love, forgiveness, and encouragement, sacrificial love, agape type of love, into your faith, and into your daily lives, I guarantee you, you're going to be like a bright light in a sick and dying world. Brethren, it's time to, to stand up. It's time to, uh, to get out of, out of these pews here in a few minutes. We're going to go out into the mission field of the world. And I want you to ask yourself, what can you do today to make a difference? What can you do today to put a smile on somebody else's face? You may be sitting here this morning, and you may be one of the ones that are discouraged. You may be struggling in a marriage, struggling in, a, uh, in life, struggling with your kids, struggling with your finances, struggling in your faith. I don't know what it is you're struggling with, but what I do know is we have a room full of brothers and sisters in Christ who are here today and have come together with the express purpose of worshiping God, but to further than that, to also encourage and love one another. We are a family here at Lincoln Park. And as a family, we are to lift one another up. So if you're hurting, you can come forward today. The elders will come forward. You can speak with them. You can talk with them. They'll meet with you, and they'll set up a, 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 a plan to help you to, in whatever, whatever way it is we can. 
But you may be sitting here this morning and you're not a child of God. And you have all this regrets. And you feel dirty because of the sin in your lives. Brethren, you can get rid of that here this morning. You can have your sins washed away by going down into the waters of baptism. And you can be raised back up out of the water as a new creation. Your sins washed away. You receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And God himself will add you to the kingdom. Come forward if that is your desire as we stand and sing the song of invitation.